Blog Talk Radio. in Dallas, uh, Texas, on Monday, May the 8th. As we like to do on Mondays, we'll be chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda. I've got a full agenda here of issues to get into with Bill, so let me say uh, hello to our friend Bill. Bill, we're uh, about to get a storm sometime here in the next 20 minutes or so, so if I disappear from the air or if our signal gets lost, uh, you can blame it on climate change. Climate change. I can uh, blame it on climate change. On Donald Trump. I want to blame yes. it on Donald Trump uh, because he obviously is responsible. Uh, and um, uh, I don't know who else to blame, but uh, I, I suspect I suspect you will not disappear from the air because uh, uh, the, the the system that has been set up now allows those of us of our particular beliefs. Uh, we conservatives to be on the air for a minimum of one hour and a maximum of a half, an hour and a half each day, and that, I think we fit within the quota. I think so too. I think so too. Yes. So, <laughs> so I think we're okay. Can we say we're going to be okay? I think we, so. We, well, we can say that. We can say that it, it's it's a little racist to assume that right. only we will be okay. We should say that well, all true. people of all different groups will be okay. All that's different right. Groups. I think that. That way yes. we touch all the bases. We don't. We don't want to. Uh, we don't, don't want anybody to get angry. Out. That's no, it. We don't not. want to leave anybody out. But let me begin with uh, uh, a story that is. Is I'm, I'm sure you're just as frustrated as anybody else with it, and that's this shooting here uh, in Allen, Texas, which is like literally ten miles, not even that far, from where we are right now. Yes. And the shooter, you know, at this uh, shopping center or outlet mall, as as they call them here. And the shooting itself is pretty frustrating, Bill. But to learn today, maybe you, you saw this too, but to learn today that this man had been thrown out of the U.S. Army because of he- mental problems. Yes. And somehow, uh, he was thrown out in 2008. And somehow in 2023, that record had disappeared or he was able to get a gun that is just crazy bill i mean it's frustrating because there's a lot of people there's there's kids who were killed uh, on saturday that's afternoon right. bill that's right and and what is remarkable about that is that the the only thing that the press wants to concentrate on is the report that he had nazi ideas not that that surprises me but the real question is the one you raise why was this man permitted to have a gun? Didn't he have to go through a background check? And why didn't the background check pick up what you just to- just talked about? Uh, all the laws that are needed to protect people are on the books. They just aren't enforced. We here in New York, I mean, they, they go through, every time there's a, 
an incident here. They go through the same ritual. Well, it was an AR-15 type rifle, Joe. Uh, we, we've learned that here at, uh, at uh, uh, CNN. Well, the issue is not what type of rifle was used, but how did that individual, who often has a criminal record, get a gun? Why is that right. individual on the streets? Why was there no treatment? Uh, and these things are all covered by laws th- that we already have. Um, you know, you look at a situation like this, we really don't know his motive. He had obviously a horrible ideas. That may not have been involved with the shooting. We, we, we don't know. Uh, and, uh, and, and also the, the recent ones uh, that, that have occurred, with the school shootings that have occurred, and you realize that if common sense prevailed, we could probably prevent most of these. Not all. No country has right. ever prevent, prevented all. But, I mean, we, we know, for example, that if you harden a school, which is the, the slang that, uh, that law enforcement uses, in other words, have a system set up in the school where a shooter cannot get into the school, there will be no shooting. And, and we also know that from what criminologists tell us is that criminals always choose the easiest route. Make the route hard, you know, uh, uh, have, uh, have a, uh, a locking system, an immediate lockdown system, have first floor windows in schools bulletproof, have armed, an armed guard or two armed guards, uh, which, would be, which is probably the best thing you could do. I mean, uh, uh, banks have armed guards for a reason, and that is they deter right. crime. And, and yet we know how to do all these things, and, and too many people just won't do it. As far as the, this crazy, horrible shooting where they even have tape of the guy getting out of his car right, with, his right. gun, with his gun, I think I, you know, we'll wait for the investigation. But once again, a failure along the lines to stop a man who clearly uh, should never have been permitted to have a gun. That's right. And, and, and just the whole thing is so sick. Um, you know, how he got the gun, I'm anxious to know if he actually bought it because not because of, of the U.S. Army problem, but apparently he was having all kinds of money problems. Uh, there's a voicemail that, that came out. He had a voicemail, if you called his number, talking about what suggested that he might be having money problems. He was no longer living with his parents. He was now living in a hotel. So all kinds of weird things about about this man. And And then, of course, down in Brownsville, Texas, I'm sure you saw that one too, where a fellow threw a car into a group of uh, yes. uh, migrants mm-hmm. who I guess were standing there. I, I, I don't know too much more. So it's just, I mean, there's a sickness. There's a sickness in the country right now. I don't know how, what other word to use, but there's like a sickness in the country right now. There's something sick. I mean, it, um, I don't know what else to say, Bill. It, it doesn't feel, I mean, let me phrase it correctly. Obviously, I'm very proud to be living here and to be an American. That's not really the issue. But at the same time, I have to say there's something wrong. There's something in our system that makes me sick, Bill. Well, yes, and I think that I think we might begin with the idea that young people have to be brought up with the notion that if you commit a crime, there are going to be very serious consequences. When you're brought up with the idea, well, if you commit a crime and uh, say certain things, and uh, get a lawyer who knows what, uh, something about the mental health defenses, 
you can walk scot-free. It happens in New York all the time. We have a society now where people feel they can get away with things. And when you have a society like that, that society is going to unravel. Uh, and, and, and we're watching right now, that. Forgive me for, but forgive me for interrupting you. But I think Go we're ahead. watching that unraveling. No, I think we're watching that unraveling. In other words, I think, you know, people say society can unravel, but I think we're watching it unravel. I mean, it, what what we're watching is the unraveling that you're talking about, Bill. I mean, when you see this, and then uh, I want to talk about New York too, the subway incident in New York. Uh, that's another example. I mean. I don't think 20 years ago, Bill, there would have been any dispute about what happened in that subway in New York. I think that the Marine would have been hailed as a hero for putting this guy out, for saving maybe lives. Well, no, I know know he he is, but he's being accused now of of whatever he's being accused of, but he's being treated like a criminal, Bill. Well, in the the eyes of the political left, he is a criminal. He is a criminal. I mean, they, they... it is just an amazing thing. Here is a man who, who was on a subway ride, former Marine, didn't bother anybody, wasn't there to hurt anyone, and he sees this individual out of control, obviously believes he is going to violently attack someone, and goes into action uh, and, and gets him down, apparently with others as well, and gets him in a chokehold. Okay, we, we can say that, well, well, a police officer, you know, a trained police officer wouldn't use a, tro- a chokehold. He wasn't a trained police officer. He was a spir- public-spirited citizen who risked his own life. For goodness sake, the guy had, could have had a gun. He could have had a knife. Uh, he, he could have killed this Marine, but the Marine took action to save other people. And as you say, he is now regarded as... A criminal, and they and and the all these so-called uh, you know uh, uh, public-spirited uh, protesters are out. They they jumped onto a subway track yesterday, which can be fatal if you hit the third rail and stop the subway train from coming in. What a reckless thing to do! And yes, now the attention is on whether or not the the hero marine can come away from this free. He of course he should come away from it free. He was a hero. He, he, did he act in accordance with strict police procedures? No, he didn't. He's not a policeman, but he is a public-spirited right. citizen. And I'm very sorry that the other guy died, but if you look at that guy's record, it was unbelievable. It was just one offense after another. Why was that man out on the street? Why was he out well, on the and street? That's the, and that's the thing that frustrates the heck out of out of me, and I'm sure people there in New York as well, why was that guy in the street? But I guarantee you that if my sister was in there, my sister, my wife, uh, my niece uh, was in a subway, and I wish that Marine was around them to protect them, Bill, in case some one of these idiots gets out of control with them. I mean, so I, I think the Marine is a hero, and I'm amazed. Now, in all fairness, uh, I want to make sure I say it correctly. The mayor is is not attacking the marine right the mayor is no he is defending not. the marine yeah the mayor is the attacks are coming from the typical people aoc oh, yes. the, oh, yeah, well, i call them the lefties yes and and not, none of these people have been asked by any reporter to the best of my knowledge 
what would have happened had this Marine not taken action? Right. Well, right. they say he, he hadn't hit, hit anybody, but obviously this is a man who was out of in extreme distress, and the Marine believed, you know, to the best of his knowledge, and in the moment, in the moment, that this Marine was a threat to people, innocent people, some of them probably elderly, on the train, and he took action. But, but the, the mayor has said, let's wait for the investigation, mm-hmm. and I, that's what I say. Let's wait for the investigation. I mean, I, they may find that it's necessary to uh, reprimand this Marine in some way, all right, uh, maybe for some, for some reason. But even if he is reprimanded, he should be given a medal for intervening in a situation and potentially saving lives. Instead, That's right. they're, going to, they're going to try to disgrace him. Uh, and I love it. I love it when these so-called uh, protesters run around with the name of the deceased individual and say, say his name, say his name. Right. That's right. I mean, I, I, I want to know why every week in America, why they, they are not running around saying the names of the black children who were murdered by the by the carload in black America, in America every week. Why don't those names get said? I don't know. I don't understand that. Well, what about the police officer, the lady police officer who was killed in yes. Chicago? Uh, I mean, she's African American. Uh, I guess that life doesn't matter, Bill. That's no, all you she, know. You can no, conclude. She, uh, but but she's not legitimately African American because she Man, became a police officer. So in the minds of these left wingers. And they are probably just a whole bunch of Marxists. Uh, right. She's not legit. Yes, she gave up her life, and and uh, she leaves a family. Nobody says her name. Nobody's marching and saying her name. No. And I wish, by the way, that some of the organizations in New York, some of the more conservative organizations, would be out there in front now, uh, demanding justice for this Marine, just as other, others are, are demanding justice for the deceased uh, uh, individual, who, as I said, has a long, long record. Uh, you know, we, we in New York, this is a very, very, well, I'm not in New York City right now, but New York City is a very left, uh, liberal city. Uh, it erect, uh, elects people simply by going to the polls, and where, whatever name is next to the D, that's the person who gets elected. I mean, this is a city that elected Bill de Blasio as its mayor, uh, a man with, with absolutely no qualifications, except for the fact that a lot of people on the left liked the fact that he had an African-American wife. Well, more power to him on that. But, uh, and, and in eight years, the city deteriorated. After the first four of de Blasio's regime, it was obvious it was deteriorating, and they reelected him. And the, the, that's the nature of... of of liberal cities, they go out and they elect the same people over and over and over again. It is the most frustrating thing. They basically give up their franchise uh, because they want to be on the correct side. Right, and no, you're right. Now, before we get to New York, because there's another problem in New York where I guess some of the surrounding areas around New York City are complaining that they don't want to get the migrants because the mayor may be sending migrant buses to them. Uh, that's the big story that I saw today. But before we get there, I just wanted to bring up a couple of things uh, related to the Allen, Texas shooting. There's a poll that came out that says that 43% of the American people believe that new gun laws would make them safer. So 57% either don't think or don't think that it will make any kind of a difference. That's a big number of people who are not trusting 
you know, writing new laws to make them safer. And the other thing that I saw, Bill, is that it is women of color, as they like to say, I guess that would mean African-American women and Hispanic women and other other women who are now white, uh, they're the ones buying guns right now in record numbers. Oh, very I'm much assuming so. they're I'm assuming they're doing it because of the sense of insecurity. I mean, if you're a black woman and you live in any of these cities run by the Democrat Party, you don't feel safe, Bill, in that city. So you might as well protect yourself. So, you know, more and more people are buying guns and, and they're sort of voting with their purchases and rejecting the status quo bill. That's exactly right. They're buying guns because the government, or the uh, governments in the cities in which they live, are not fulfilling the first responsibility of government, which is to protect its citizens. Uh, you know, I mean, look, look at look at places li- like Portland, Oregon, which used to be such a beautiful city, uh, symbolic of a modern city. It is. It's a train wreck today. People are leaving. P- uh, big uh, big stores. Major stores are leaving San Francisco because they cannot take the theft any longer. I was in New York. Uh, uh, very rarely do I go into New York City, but I happened to have been there last week to meet with a, an old friend. And uh, I went into a CVS drugstore. Uh, and I was shocked by what I saw. They had extra personnel all over the store. And the store, most of the merchandise in the store was behind locked, uh, uh, ca- uh, you know, locked glass, locked glass cabinets. I, we, we haven't gotten that out here yet, but it, it really did shock me. It told me what society has become. You, you were well, looked that, at everywhere. Yeah, that's the way it is in San Francisco, I understand. Yes, absolutely. Uh, and in lots of places where it's just completely out of control. Uh, you know, the situation is just completely out of control. Uh, let me go to New York City with the migrants. Uh, that's a big story, too, that I saw today. Oh, yes. That the mayor wanted to send, but I guess the, some of the surrounding, I don't know if it's cities or suburbs, are not happy with that bill. Well, it's, it's mostly the suburbs. They, <coughs> we have uh, counties in New York, um, uh, like Putnam County and, and uh, Westchester County and uh, 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 some of the others that are some of them are democratic counties some of them are republican counties but the mayor wants to ship uh some of the migrants out there and the county executives are up in arms they're they're they're, they are not ready for it they did not declare themselves to be sanctuary areas uh they uh, don't have the financing they are deeply concerned about the potential crime that could occur and some of them want to are making it very plain that they will not accept the, accept it. If it happens, I don't know what they will do. I don't know what the laws require. I mean, you can be sure the political left will demand that these uh, counties take care of the migrants. You can be sure that, that leftist agitators from New York City will be up there in five minutes, uh, you know, blocking trains and doing everything else and insisting that the migrants be allowed to live there. Look, we are not very far where, where I am right now from Westchester Airport, which is a, a national airport. It's a small airport, but it's, but it's a national airport. And we had reports a year ago of migrants being brought into that airport in the middle of the night and, and then just released uh, into the care of Westchester County. Uh, it's, it is becoming a situation where a lot of people now regret some of their earlier statements uh, in which they declare their areas 
uh, uh, sanctuary cities, sanctuary uh, counties, sanctuary this, sanctuary bathtubs, sanctuary candy stores. I mean, almost anything became a sanctuary. Now, when that status actually is being used, they're all whining about it. Well, I guess you've got to hand it to Governor Abbott because he sort of started this. You know, he, he sent the first bus. And, and, you know, I don't know whether anybody knew six, nine months ago how successful it was going to be. But it's turned out to be successful in the sense that the country is seeing firsthand the craziness of this bill. Oh, yes, absolutely. And um, it, it, look, we, we're looking at, at some recent polls that show Biden has declined even further. And I um, imagine that aside from his physical condition, which now has become a major pollable issue, I figure that the border situation is one of the reasons for the decline. People are being told on uh, uh, television news programs that the number of migrants that crosses the border is going to grow dramatically within the next few weeks. And people are looking at the man in the White House and looking at the woman in the uh, vice president's office, and they're not pleased. Now, his numbers, and these polls could be flukes. I always warn an urgent agenda. A poll is only a snapshot in time. Numbers can be reversed if he does something good. Uh, but these polls are, are catastrophic for any incumbent wanting to be president again. Right. And the, See, Bill, the tw- go ahead. No, no I was going to say that I, you know, the closest thing that I can remember to this was uh, Reagan in 83. If you go back to Reagan in 83 at this point, uh, he was coming out of a very bad recession, as you know. And yes. he was, you know, in you know there 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 was just a lot of bad news with the recession and everything else but it's not just because i voted for him but 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 i think a lot of americans knew the situation was tough but reagan was able able to portray an optimistic message and was able to uh to at least make you feel like there was something better coming that's not the case here bill that's exactly right there is Reagan's uh, the slogan that an advertising agency actually wrote for Reagan was it's morning in America. And when Reagan and uh, Fritz Mondale debated, Fritz Mondale being the Democratic candidate for president, uh, Reagan in the first debate against Mondale did not do well at all. Uh, Many people felt Mondale won the debate, but he 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 got his spirit back. And in the other debates, he did well enough. And people, I think, felt they had a certain confidence in Reagan, that that Reagan loved the country and that he was going to he was going to make it better for all of us. That Mondale was a decent man; nobody d- denies that. But he he came off as a typical Democratic politician, promising ironically higher taxes. He actually promised higher taxes and the usual Democratic programs. But I think people had that instinct about Reagan that this is a good man, let's keep him. And, of course, he went on to a very successful second term, which is uh, actually quite unusual. Uh, And uh, the Cold War came to an end on his watch. The wall, the Berlin Wall came Mm -hmm. down on his watch. That's right. And the the economy recovered. Uh, And uh, 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 Reagan, Reagan is one of those people who showed us the way in the sense that a candidate for president has to be an optimist. You have to portray a, a better America, and you have to portray an America that is inherently worth defending. You don't get that from the Democrats, that's for sure. And the no, and right now, yeah, go ahead. 
I, I was going to say the Republicans have to portray that better America. Right, and and I think that for me, you know, trying to be as fair as I can be with uh, with Biden because he is the president, and you know, you always want your president to succeed, even if if it is of the other party, because if if he succeeds, the country succeeds. So you know, you want him uh, to succeed, but in this particular case, he doesn't give you any reason to feel better. Uh, you know, that interview that he did the other night with that lady from NBC. I mean, yes. what a joke I thought that was. And then yes. that, you know, when he comes out, I mean, this is what, what bothers, I think, a lot of us, Bill. You would think that uh, 48 hours, 72 hours before everybody says that the border is going to be chaotic, you would think that the president of the United States, instead of talking about airports today, would have been talking about the border or that his vice president, the lady that he designated uh, to be in charge of the border, that she would be on top of this, that she would be down here uh, with the governors saying, you know, we got this under control, we're going to work this out. Nobody knows where she is. Have you seen her lately, Bill? Not on the border no. issue. She's not everywhere. So it's like, you know, you get the sense that they're, they're not in control or that they don't care, Bill. That's the other thing. Maybe they just don't care. Well, I, I do get the sense that they don't care. I mean, I, 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 you know, you're, you're looking at a, a situation today where we not only have the border issue, but we have a raging crime problem in many of our cities, which we did not have uh, when, when, uh, when our guys were in office, uh, and especially in New York City. Uh, in the 1990s, it was Rudy Giuliani as mayor who reduced the, me- the murder rate. He and his successor, uh, Mike Bloomberg, reduced the m- murder rate by 80%. And you don't find any efforts like that being made today. We, we, have a, we have a lot of knowledge in this country about how to reduce crime. But in democratic cities, they will not use those techniques because they violate the, uh, the, uh, the orientation the uh, agenda of the Democratic Party, which always comes first. It's one of those situations where it's frustrating because this situation on the border, I've never seen it like this before, Bill. Yes, that's right. I've lived in, I mean, I've lived in Texas since 84, and I've never seen it like that. I've never seen what we are, uh, what we are watching. I mean, this is insanity, what, uh, what we are watching. Uh, and I feel... You know, I feel for the Border Patrol people. I feel for the migrants themselves who are being used, who are being put in these situations. Uh, I know we spoke to some the other day who were saying that they had to pay to get to the border. Uh, So it's not like, you know, this is free for them. So I just feel that they're being used, and they've been put in this terrible situation. And the Biden policies are not making it any better, Bill. Uh, that's exactly right. And, uh, you, you know, you say the Democrats don't care. They don't care. The, the, these are, the, the Democratic Party has become basically a business and a socialist business. And when you live under socialism, people never count. Only the ideology counts. And the ideology is that these people should be let in because they will, first of all, produce Democratic votes which the business side of the Democratic Party likes very, very much, and that they are victims of something, although nobody can quite define what it is. Uh, For years, uh, people on our side have been warning against the dictatorships 
in uh, Central America and in uh, South America, especially the one in Venezuela. And the Democrats have been uh, saying, "Oh no, 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 oh, no! They're 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 progressives. They're trying to build a better society." Well, they're not saying it anymore, but we are now bearing the brunt of our indifference. And that's right. The, no, you're right. The Dem- and, and you have a Democratic Party. The majority of whose members are probably reasonably moderate, but they are not the ones running the party. And that's something that reporters have to learn uh, about politics. Who has the guns, so to speak? Who has the power within a party? And right now the the power is on the political left, and I believe that they are manipulating Biden. I agree. No, I agree with you. Let's do this. Let's take a little break, Bill. When we come back, we've got a lot more to get into with our friend uh, Bill Katz. Be right back. Uh, Silvio Canto in Dallas, uh, Texas, chatting with our friend uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Virgin Agenda. Bill, I want to switch a little bit here and talk about the coronation. It sounds like you had a good time watching it, Bill. Loved it. I absolutely love it. I love that stuff. And the British do it better than anybody else. I don't know how they maintain the discipline, the the order. This is the first coronation they've had uh, since 1953. 1953, and it went off like clockwork. Now, I know they do a lot of rehearsing at night and that the individual units, of course, know their particular role, but it, it went off so well, and I do think that, uh, first of all, uh, on a practical level, the coronation is probably the biggest tourist draw uh, uh, in, in the modern history of Great Britain. It brings in an enormous number of tourists, not simply the coronation itself, but the spirit of Britain that is shown. People want to go to Britain. They want to see Britain. And as a, as a tourist tool, it can't be beat. But also, I think that it was carried out with great dignity. I think that there was a, a sufficient um, number of people from, uh, and, and representatives from the Commonwealth nations, which are not uh, all white at all. Uh, and I think that the speeches that were given, the brief speeches that were given were all appropriate. Uh, they just did it well, and I, I think that the, the king is to be congratulated. Uh, of course, there was this little bit about uh, Prince Harry, the guy formerly known as Prince, you know, right. uh, and, right. and and his wife who stayed in the United States. I, I right. didn't get any feeling that there was any great love for them. Uh, they've, they've done some bad things in my view. But I think the family, the royal family, uh, carried themselves nicely. And I wish uh, that um, our uh, uh, military units could march as well as the British military units. They had that particular uh, style of marching with, a, with the, the swinging hand, who swings in a great, almost a semicircle, that, uh, that comes off so well. Uh, I, I liked it. I liked it. I, I know many people say, well, it's a waste of money. It's, it's, it's royalty. It's not democratically elected. All those things are true. 
but they are a reminder. The coronation is a reminder of the grandeur of Britain, of its age, uh, its place in history, and I think it's a good thing. I wish we had something similar. Well, I thought it was pretty good, too. The only, uh, the only request I would have for the next coronation, and uh, who knows when that will happen, I wish they would show it at, you know, instead of doing it at 1 o'clock in the morning, yeah. I, wish, <laughs> I wish they would show it more on U.S. prime time. But then, uh, honestly, well, it's not for us. So <laughs> no, it's the time. It's the time zone. Um, right, the seven hours or whatever <laughs> it is. So you know. But I mean, look. I think people. It reminds me a little bit, Bill, of when uh, Lady Di or Princess Diane and 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 Charles were married back yeah. in '81. Uh, I I remember all the ladies in the office who couldn't, you know, couldn't hold their. I mean, they were all so tired from staying up all night and waking up at 1 o'clock in the morning to watch this yes, thing, yes. that half of the ladies in the office were not very productive that Friday, as I recall, Bill. Yes. Well, you know, Americans are always fascinated by uh, the British royal family. Uh, and I, I don't know where the fascination comes from, except some of the analysts did a good job of pointing out that the, the House of Windsor is the most important uh, and most impressive monarchy left in the world. There really are no other monarchies that do it as big and as well as they do. And I think there is fascination with uh, reading about the, the members of the family. I'm not – look, I am not particularly interested in the royal, it's not royal family. I don't read about them every day. But in the debate, which is a, an ongoing debate between should we maintain uh, the monarchy in Britain or should we become a republic, uh, I'm on the monarchy side. Uh, because I believe that they do give a sense of stability uh, to the country, a sense of permanence that we are here, we will always be here. These are our uh, chairs that we used 500 years ago. We are still here. And I think there is something valuable about that. We, we don't have uh, royalty in America. We don't have coronations. We have inaugurations, which are usually quite boring. But we do have things we could, we could do in the United States. We used to have in America many years ago uh, something called the Freedom Train. And uh, it was, I think, uh, run by the Smithsonian or the Library of Congress. And it would travel around the country and in the train would be documents, I believe some of them original, of the founding of the United States. And kids from schools would come to the train and they could have it explained to them. I think little things like that, we won't do a big thing like a coronation, but little things like that are really necessary to renew the spirit of Americans and also to teach young people something about their country. They don't know much right now. The school systems right. are awful, just awful. Right. They, they're not, well, look they, at they, the, civics, uh, the civic oh, scores, yeah. Bill, that just came out. I mean, the schools are failing miserably in telling kids who they are and where they came from. Right. Um, the other day I was watching Elon Musk, and he said that teach teenagers in, in history class today is that George Washington was a slave owner. That's, That's all they exactly tell them. That's what they teach. Yes, yes. And, and you're and sitting they, there saying, yeah, I mean, but, but I'm sitting there saying, Bill, you know, when I was in school, I also learned that he was a slave owner, but I also learned a lot of other more important things about him than that. Yes. Well, that's the point. You can have a historical character who was flawed, but yet did great things. Thomas Jefferson being perhaps the best example, the things he wrote and the ideas he set forth eventually 
were very critical to ending slavery in America. And, uh, and judging these people by today's standards is ridiculous. It's, it's corrupt. It doesn't get us anywhere. And I'm very concerned. Uh, you, you hear stories about uh, children uh, in school who know nothing about World War II. They know nothing about what their, gra- their own grandfathers did. All they know about is, uh, is racism and, uh, the, and the rights of, of, of different sexual groups. Well, okay, you can deal with that too. But uh, we are in danger because of our school systems. And our school systems, remember, especially the universities, are the feeder systems for the American press. And one of the reasons the American press right now is so bad is that they are taking graduates of colleges and universities where they were taught all this poison. That's right. No, I think it's absolutely horrible. But I I agree with you. I think the pageantry of the coronation was great. Um, I don't want to see one every Saturday, but uh, maybe once every 50 years, uh, uh, it's not a bad not a bad idea. The other thing, too, that I thought was interesting, Bill, just from a history standpoint, is that there was a photo where it had King Charles, Prince, uh, or uh, George, or William, I mean Prince William, and then the little boy George. And there you had in one photo what should be the next three kings of England. I thought that was pretty cool. Yes, yes. And, and uh, some of them, uh, I think George who was the oldest is old enough to know that he will be king of England someday, and that he will have a ceremony like this as well. Uh, it, it's, it's, it's a fascinating story, and it's one that is replete with history, some of it good, some of it not good, but uh, I'm, glad it, I'm glad it was there. That's right. Bill, let, let's uh, do a quick check uh, on another story. Um, today is President Truman's birthday, and of course, well, he was born... 1884, passed away in 72, consequential president. But we're going to remember him a little bit different today. I know you mentioned in the email that you you thought there was some similarity to what is happening today. And uh, I agree with you. So please share that uh, that subject with us. Well, it's, it's, I think, fascinating to see how similar the situation we face today is to the similar to the situation we faced as a nation in 1944. Now, we, that, true, we were in the middle of World War II. We're not in the middle of World War II now. But the political situation was that Franklin Roosevelt, incumbent president of the United States, in his third term, which would sell, itself was unprecedented, was preparing to run for his fourth term. And he was the odds-on favorite. He was the commander-in-chief of victorious armies, armies marching toward victory in both Europe uh, and in the Pacific, and of course, navies as well. Uh, and there was one big problem that began to develop. People who looked at President Roosevelt knew he didn't have long to live. They didn't need a doctor's note. They didn't need uh, a, a hospital report. You just, you just looked at him. It was the tradition at the time that the press did not report on the president's health. It was regarded as a matter of privacy. So the American people had no idea that this was happening, that in Washington uh, and in official Washington, there was great concern that the president would not survive a new term. The vice president of the United States, so we, so we have these two, the, 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 what, what was true then is true today, an impaired president. Uh, we have an impaired president today. Today we see it. We're allowed to see it. And an impaired president uh, on his deathbed in 1944. Another remarkable similarity 
is the feeling that the person in the vice presidency cannot become president. Today, there is the feeling that Kamala Harris is nowhere near ready to be president of the United States. In 1944, we had a vice president who served that in that capacity through the war uh, named Henry Wallace. By every account, a very fine man, but a man who had gone much too far politically to the left. And the party leaders in the Democratic Party, the leaders in Washington, believed this man must never be president, that he was getting too close to the Soviet Union, and that he had to be removed by simply taking him off the ticket. Well, that's a pretty big deal for uh, the vice president of the United States in wartime being, in effect, politically decapitated. But they felt it had to be done. Just as I think there are many people right now who believe that Kamala Harris must never get into the Oval Office. And they met, the leaders met, the, the congressional leaders took over the task of finding a replacement. The replacement they found was Harry Truman. And they chose a very, very good replacement. And Henry Wallace was removed from the Democratic ticket in 1944 and not permitted to run again based on the notion that he could not be president. Uh, we are dealing with a situation today where you hear regularly people say, can't they get rid of Kamala Harris? I'd, ha I'd have much more confidence if we knew that the person in the second slot was qualified to be president of the United States. So there were remarkable similarities. And in 1944, they took the action. They did remove the vice presidential candidate. You begin to wonder, because there was a story, an article that came out, uh, I think it was Saturday or Sunday, that came out over at Real Clear Politics. I don't remember what the source of the article was, but the headline of the article was, are the Democrats ready to walk over to the Oval Office uh, like, they, like the Republicans did with Nixon back in 74 to tell him that you know, he had to leave, for different reasons, of course, but are the, Repo are the, Re are the Democrats ready to do that? But I think, Bill, my impression is that the Democrats the, their big problem is Vice President Harris. I really get the impression that they they could probably put up with Biden the way he is, but what they don't really want is for something to happen to Biden and for this lady to become Vice President. That's what I think their fear is, Bill. Yes. Well, I, you know, you raise a very, very good point. Whether they are Well, we lost Bill there. I don't know what happened. Uh, we lost uh, Bill. But uh, the article that I was referring to was an article that appeared on uh, – it was over at Real Clear Politics, you know, when they have all of these articles that uh, that uh, that they do over there. Let me see if we got uh... – no, we didn't get disconnected because I can play that. No, so we'll just have to wait for Bill to, to check in with us. But um... – but the article that I was referring to was an article that appeared in Real Clear Politics on one of their summaries of articles uh, where they were basically answering, asking the question, what, you know, are the Democrats getting ready or will they ever get ready to go over to the Oval Office and basically tell uh, President, uh, President Biden that, look, you know, you're not going to make it. It's time to go. And when you look at uh, the polling data, when you look at the way he's dropping off, when you know right now you've got the political fortunes of President Trump and the political fortunes of President Biden going in different directions. Uh, the the poll that Bill was referring to has President uh, Trump right now up by six or seven points, even eight points, and a couple of other polls, not just that one. There've been a couple of others uh, that show the same thing. So you have to wonder, you know, you have to wonder at what point 
at what point we uh, we see that. But I really sincerely believe that that I think the real problem here is that the Democrats are afraid of Vice President Harris because they don't think she's ready. And, uh, you know, they I, I just I just think that's the case that that they just don't think she's ready. And that's what the situation is. Anyway, as we wait uh, for Bill to check uh, with us again, there was a, a program that we recorded some years ago, and I have it on my, on my blog uh, this week, or today actually, where we interviewed uh, the, the lady who was in charge of the Truman Library. Let me, let me put uh, Bill back. Uh, Bill, I have no idea what happened to you. I have no but idea all, either. All of a sudden, all of a sudden it says, all of a sudden, caller dropped. And that's the I, only information they give me. I, so I knew you had not actually fallen. So No, <laughs> no. I have no idea. I have no idea why, why, why my telephone was dropped. I'm going to have to yes, investigate. Yes, I don't know. But it's so funny. You know, that's so funny. I laugh because of the way they explain these things. They put a little, yes. you know, like a little flash that says caller, and then they go through the number has dropped and i'm sitting there saying wait a minute did bill jump from a roof no i was sitting uh, here with bill fell on the floor i didn't drop anything i they dropped me (laughs) that's but we're back you got dropped that's what happened it's an interesting topic bill which is it's an interesting topic because we were talking about dropping dropping vice president harris you know so i thought it was kind of interesting but i don't know how much of our comments uh were on well, we talked about how similar the situation well, you is. Were, uh, we were at, at exactly the point where you were uh, – when you dropped off, you were uh, you, you talking – I was making the point that I felt that I'll, – I'll just start it there and you can, you can take sure. over. But I, I was at, at the point where I was saying that the Democrats' major concern, in my opinion, is actually uh, Vice President Harris, that sure. if they felt more confident in her – that they would have already said to to Joe Biden, look, Joe, I'm sorry, but this is not working out. You got to go. You know, let's gracefully go. You can resign and so on. But because they don't trust the vice president, I think that's why they're holding on, Bill. I think that's very, very true. They and you know the the point I was making when I was unceremoniously disconnected by by, by the powers that be was that uh, you raised the issue of why they whether there's going to be a committee that goes to the White House and talks to Kamala Harris and said, you know, it would be better if, for the party if you were off the ticket. Uh, and they, 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 you, you compared it to the situation with Nixon when a uh, group of Republicans did go to visit him and say you cannot survive politically. And I was saying that will never happen here because of identity politics. If, if, if Kamala Harris were a white man, it might be different. But you, you, no Democrats are going to go over and say to a woman of color, it would be better if you were gone. And that's sad because uh, this, is, this is the cost of identity politics. Right. It, it poisons everything. Um, if she were gracious, which she is not, she would understand the situation and volunteer uh, to leave the ticket and fight another day. But she, right. wants, that top, she wants that top job. And uh, and I, I have a feeling they're going to have to give it to her. No, I think you're right. And, I, and that's what I think. That's why uh, I think do not want to go over to the White House or to the Oval Office. There is another lady, too, in the picture, Bill, which is interesting. And that's the first lady who apparently 
really loves that presidential plane and representing her country at the coronations. Yeah. Uh, it looks like she's kind of being pretty stubborn about this. And and that, I think, is more difficult for me to take because, um, I mean, it's difficult for me to say this because my father was never president. But I think that my mother would have seen what he looks like on TV and would have said, you know, that, let's cut this. We need to stop this. This is not good for his image. And I did just stop it. And, but she doesn't seem interested in doing that, Bill. No, uh, Jill seems, as you said, oh, oh, doctor, Dr. Jill, if I leave that out, I get arrested. Uh, Dr. That's, Jill that's right. uh, uh, right. went over and represented the president, uh, uh, and uh, and uh, apparently there's great criticism of uh, the way she conducted herself, that she wore the colors of Ukraine, but not the colors of the United States. But yes, yeah, she, she is very protective. She is. She reminds me of Edith, of Edith Wilson, President Wilson's uh, wife, who literally took over the White House when President Wilson had a stroke, uh, and was in a way the President of the United States. Now it could be, it could be that at some point in this, it might be Jill Biden who goes over to Kamala. Wouldn't that be interesting? And right. said, you know, and said, you know, we we honor you and everything, but we cannot win the election because of people who, for whatever reason, Cam, whatever reason, don't like you. Would you be willing to leave the ticket in exchange for support in the future for your political ambitions? And I think the answer would be no. Yes, and but, of but course, she must be she must be burning Jill Biden because she knows the damage that Kamala Harris is doing to her husband politically. Absolutely, no, absolutely. The whole thing is a mess. The whole thing is a mess, and I think maybe what it really shows, Bill, as we wrap up another one of our sessions, I think what it really shows is that nobody really voted for Biden. I'm convinced of this. Eighty-one million votes. Nobody voted for him. They voted against Trump. So there was never right. really, there was never really a sense, there was never a connection between the voters and Biden. There was never that connection, but obviously not like Trump and his voters, or Obama and his voters, or Bush and his voters. It seems like every president uh, is really connected to his voters, um, but not this one. So the, the there's not that that loyalty where it says I'm going to stick it with you know, I'm going to stick it out with Joe because Joe is my guy. I don't get that. I don't sense that, Bill. So that's part of the problem as well that I see, Bill. Well, I I think you're absolutely right. I mean, Biden was not a popular candidate for president. In fact, you remember we never even saw him. He he was a basement candidate, and it, it was very rarely put out in public. Uh, but I think you're absolutely right. I think there was, whether deserved or not, there was a revulsion toward President Trump and his personal behavior, and I think that is what cost him the election. Um, and I don't think there's a connection now. Look at the polls on Biden; they're they're catastrophic. I don't think I don't think people hate him. I don't think they hate him in the way that the anti-Trump crowd hates uh, uh, President Bush. Uh, but uh, I'm not, uh, I'm, I meant uh, uh, President Trump. Uh, but uh, there, there is this lack of connection, the distance, and the feeling that he is not physically up to it. This was un, right. un, it wasn't discussed.
publicly a year ago. It is being discussed now, and one of the things that people have in mind is their own families, where this type of problem may have come up medically, and they know that it never gets better, it only gets worse. And we have more than a year to go uh, before the presidential election. What will Joe, Joe Biden be on election day? And that, well, he, I can may, tell you... He, he may not be on the ticket. Right. No, I... I... <laughs> I wouldn't be surprised. I mean, he's not going to get better. That much I can tell you. His condition, and I don't, you know, it's funny. I say this, and I feel bad saying it, because it, he is a human being, after all. And yes. and I think that, you know, he's the president of the United States, so we, you want to show some respect for the man. But he's not going to get better. And I think the wisest thing he could do for his own legacy would be uh, to step aside and say, look, I'm not running. And the rest of my presidency, I'm just going to try to be a bipartisan figure, try to get some things done with both sides and, and try to, you know, try to, you know, take that option, become, try to become a bipartisan guy. Maybe the guy they promised us during the campaign. I think that would be good for his legacy, Bill, if he did that. But what is what we're watching right now is not good for his legacy, Bill. No, it isn't. And uh, it, 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 as you said, it's going to get worse. We don't know what circumstances occur in the next year, but uh, he can he can go into that le- uh, election uh, as a personal loser and a vice president who is a burden, and that that it, it will be a terrible image. It will be a terrible right. image, uh, and so yes, I, I, it's going to be a very interesting year in American politics, and I just hope that things work out. Um, People ask, what are the other possibilities for president? The Republican Party has a very deep bench. The Democratic yes. Party does not have a deep bench. Uh, and this is ironically an ideal time for a third candidate, mm-hmm. for, for a serious Ross Perot, who, after all, got 20% of the vote in 1992. If we had, unfortunately, we do not have a great statesman like an Eisenhower available to us who would be the perfect situation. Uh, but that's, that's politics. No, I think right now the situation is pretty bad for, for the country and, of course, for, uh, for the president. Bill, as always, it's a great honor, a great uh, opportunity to chat with you, have a, have a fun time. Uh, uh, we had uh, this afternoon a couple of visitors who decided to come over and uh, spend a little time with us, and I, uh, I hope you didn't hear them scream too much. No, I didn't hear any screaming at all. But I know oh, what good, you're talking good. about. Yes, I okay. I'm glad. I'm glad because those were, just those a minute were ago, visitors. yeah, to a couple of very little visitors who their mom had something to do today, so we we got to babysit them for a while, and uh, uh, the smaller one uh, literally opened the door and walked in a minute ago, and I thought, oh my God, he's going to put on a show, but he looked at me and he he must have concluded that I was doing something important, Bill. Uh, yes, uh, they, they always are. <laughs> they always are. All right, Bill, have a great week, and uh, we'll chat with you later. Thank you as Looking always. Looking forward to it. Looking forward to Thank it. you so much. Have a wonderful day. Our good friend, uh, Bill Katz, the editor of Urgent Agenda, will uh, get back with Bill again next week. We're going to be talking about Title 42 next week. So uh, that's going to be an interesting story. Thank you for listening. This is Silvio Canto in Dallas.